and welcome to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty and I love sharing with you the conversations I get to have with talented and passionate chefs. It's the backstory, if you will, to the food they're putting up. Today's chat is with Elisa Hill. Elisa comes from regional Sao Paulo in Brazil and has worked in kitchens of Paris and London, including two Michelin star restaurants. And she had her own restaurant in Sao Paulo before coming to Melbourne, not long before we went into lockdown. Lockdown has not stopped her. She's been cooking up a storm on Instagram, posting photos of beautiful dishes paired with glorious wines and sharing videos taking viewers through various steps to make some of the dishes for themselves. This was a fascinating conversation. I loved every minute of it and I can't wait for you to listen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. Joe here, obviously, from Conversation with the Chef. <laughs> yeah. It's so nice to finally talk to you. We've been trying for months, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, nice to talk to you too. <laughs> um, yeah, this pandemic. <laughs> oh, I know. We were meant to meet in person and then that didn't happen. And then, yeah, then we've had pandemic since then. So anyway, it's great to, yeah. great to be here. And I've been watching your Instagram with such interest because you, to me, are just the epitome of the chef who loves to cook because you seem to be cooking up the most incredible things, even... <laughs> when you're not at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that it's actually keeping it's keeping me busy uh, at home like you know, like I try to you know, not to lose that creative side uh, in, and that helps a lot. <laughs> yeah. But I saw that yesterday's um, post where you said you were really tired after work and you didn't feel like cooking, but you had this beautiful bottle of wine. And then the photo was of duck. But I was like, God, if I'm really tired and don't feel like cooking, I don't. I would never whip up duck breast and whatever it was, parsnip and so on. I was like, wow. But um, talk me through how did you um, how did you get into being a chef? Was that something you always wanted to do? Now you're from um, you're from Brazil originally, is that right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm originally from from Brazil, uh, and uh, um, my my parents are, are uh, have farms, so I kind of grew up in a farm. And my father had um, had this like he was he was an amazing cook. Uh, he always cooked at home, and then I started cooking, watching him and cooking with him. I remember him bringing like a whole cow at home, yeah. and with a butcher, with the help of a butcher, like yeah. butcher the whole animal and had yeah. a massive fridge. And he would cook like parts, different parts, like uh, you know, throughout months we would eat the whole cow. Yeah. So it started, uh, it started like that. My interest, and um, and yeah, I I, uh, I realized that I really loved cooking. Uh, went to uh, do a hospitality degree in uh, Sao Paulo and uh, that led me to a, a job in a French restaurant and then from there I, um, I managed to like find a, a trainee uh, in Paris and wow I, yeah I left Brazil I was 20-ish 21 uh, I spent yeah, a year and a half in France and then uh, didn't like Paris very much, to be honest. <laughs> well, look, the first time I went to Paris, I didn't like it. Um, and I think it grows on you. This, this sounds completely churlish to say it grows on you the more often you go. But I'm a French teacher, so I did always try and go 
quite often and um it does get better but it's a big city and um oh. and I don't know when that was but I remember when I first went um to when I later went and I think Parisians have become more friendly to foreigners oh, as time oh. has gone on because because <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying but tell me about so it must have been was it a culture shock as well from Brazil to Paris Oh, yes, it was. It was a culture shock, yes. And I was quite young. I had never, like, really left home because uh, when I was in university, I was living with uh, with family, with an aunt uh, of mine because I'm, I'm from the countryside of Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo State. Um, and, yes, it was a shock. I was completely uh, alone. I didn't speak any French when I arrived there. Oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't know anyone. So, uh, yeah, and I uh, jumped, I was, went straight to like a really classic French uh, kitchen uh, and yeah, it was tough, I, uh, but I learned enormously in six months, I was fluent. Wow. Um, yeah, and what, and yeah. so I imagine, I don't know what year you're talking about, but I sort of imagine um, the, the Paris, a Parisian kitchen with a classic French, in a classic French restaurant. Were they quite shouty chefs and quite, was it, were they very, were they hard on you or? Yes, yes. It was very, uh, it was very old school. Uh, there were, I had like one, one of the chefs that became kind of like my, my dad, my mentor that was really nice to me, but um, the others, no, like that was the shouting. It was very like, kind of like a military kind of like regime, you know, you couldn't smile, you couldn't be happy, you couldn't, you know, you have to be like, it's that kind of mentality. I think it has changed a lot uh, mm. lately, thank God but uh that it, it has to be hard you know it has to be tough it has the, the cooking itself being a chef is already a tough uh job it's mm. physical you like you you like you're dealing with like cold uh, temperatures and heat all the time but like it seems that, that that there was this mentality that it needs to be extra tough you know mm. <laughs> Things have really, yeah, things have really changed, haven't they, with um, yeah. what's acceptable in the kitchen and in many workplaces, but certainly um, I seem to talk to a lot of people, you know, obviously in kitchens, and I think things have come a long way. Uh, I guess there was a certain level of um, of discipline in the, in the old school way, but I guess um, like any job, you still have to have your own discipline to make it work nowadays as well, so I don't know. I think a lot of people maybe didn't come out of those old school kitchens with, mm. with their mental health intact. So I think it's, um, Oh, yeah. it's, it's good uh, that things have changed now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, things have changed uh, because there was a shift. Um, uh, I can't really tell you how this shift happened. If, if it was part of, of a work of a journalist or, or media or whatever, but there was a shift from from the, the, the classic French cuisine and uh, uh, to other cultures and other cuisines, which brought along different you know people, different type of people. You know uh, that are more open, are more creative. Uh, they don't necessarily think that you know it has to be that way because you know in the, in a French kitchen it's like it's it's their way. There is no other way. Mm. It has to be done that way. Uh, you know. Uh, th there is a certain like um, uh, uh, behavior that is ex expected, you know, in a French uh, kind of kitchen. Mm. Um, 
Uh, I think it's changed a bit uh, uh, as well, but uh, there is that for them. Like they, they're so traditional mm. with, with their, you know, with their ways. And uh, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I was in England for throughout that, that you know gastronomic boom that uh, I, I arrived there in two thousand and three. Uh, and I saw it happening, you know, like London, England from being one of the worst places in the world to eat <laughs> now is one of the best. Yes. You know? <laughs> and I watched all that. It was like it was part of it. It was amazing, you know, incredible. It is amazing to be able to be part of the, yeah, part of something like that. It's almost like a, a histor- an historical event that you've seen mm. the progress. For you, though, in your cooking, are you... Um, are you happy that you did it in that way, that you did have a French background and, and then were able to go to England and so on? Or do you think you could still be the chef you are without having done it as in such a hard kitchen? question yeah no I don't like I think it was uh despite all I wouldn't have changed anything uh, mm-hmm. it was good for me because he, he, he taught me uh discipline uh um I uh I, underst- I understand I'm really connected with the culture I, I I didn't like Paris but I love the language I love the food I love the culture mm. I love the wines yes. uh and there is a reason that they are very very connected with their own culture with their with with, with their country with their land with their produce mm. and uh it's it's fascinating I love that mm. and I think it taught me uh this discipline to have some structure and i see a lot of chefs out there like now what happened in england uh, it's happening in brazil still uh which people like uh, uh, the chefs are finding that what, what what in england is called the modern british cuisine and now the brazilians with uh, big chefs like alexa tala calling the modern brazilian cuisine but using like local produce brazilian produce or english produce but the base of the cooking is french yeah you know the techniques mm. are french you yeah. know it, it, they, can, they can say whatever they like but it is you know mm. the sauces the way you make the sauces uh the base is there and i see you i'm seeing a lot of chefs here in australia as well um with a fusion a lot of uh, Asian, you know, uh, uh, techniques and a lot of Asian ingredients, which is amazing. But I see a lot of a, a lot of a, you know European uh, cooking techniques there mixed with uh, the the Asian, the Asian cooking, the Asian techniques and the Asian ingredients, mm. which is also very very interesting. But yeah, I think that um, it's it's a really good school to have. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have changed anything. No. <laughs> So you went. So from Paris, did you go back to Brazil and then go to England, or did you go straight from Paris to? I went. I went back to Brazil for a few months. Uh, no, sorry, I went back. I went straight to England, and then I stayed in England for a couple of years, and then had to go back to Brazil to sort out visas and stuff. Then back to England. Uh, so you were in London. I, you saying is that where you were? Sorry, in London. In London, yeah. yeah, yeah, all the time, yeah, yeah. And were you in the same restaurant in London, or did you go? Were you at a few different places? Oh, I had a few, quite quite a few different places. I spent the first five years in London working in French uh, kitchens um, with French people. My English was pretty pretty um, limited, so my French was really good, and I also had had that experience in Paris, which helped me. Mm. So I spent. Uh, possibly five years uh, working in French kitchens. Um, and then I went to Tate, Britain, where they had like a, what they, they, they were calling the modern, modern 
British cuisine that was quite nice. It was a nice restaurant working with uh, amazing English produce, an English chef. And then um, I uh, went to uh, work in a very uh, traditional kind of like a private club called the Royal Automobile Club. Uh, that was a mix. That was like international uh, cuisine. There was a bit of everything mm. and some uh, some of their own dishes. Um, and then uh, my last job in the UK was the, the Mansion House, which was a uh, a banqueting, fine dining bank, fine dining banqueting for. Um, uh, for like state events and it was a private as well but like cook for the queen and the, the kind of like those <laughs> events it was yeah yeah really interesting place uh amazing place yeah yeah we had like it, it's the it's the um it's the residence of uh, the Lord Mayor of like the City of London. So oh. they, they they host a lot of state banquets. Like they they, they have prime ministers there. Like they have like a, a, a you know uh, politicians and everything. So it was quite interesting. <laughs> Amazing. I just, yeah. I'm I'm so in awe of people that you know you have such a passion for cooking and and you know you need to go to these places like Paris or London to do it but but don't have the language when you go there I just think that is so impressive I don't I just don't think I'm that brave like I, I lived in France for a year but that's because I learned French and so you know it was what I did but um I just find that so impressive you could write your own memoirs about your experiences of these, some of these places sound incredible. Now, and one of them was um, a Michelin star restaurant. Where, where was that? Uh, I worked um, in uh, two Michelin stars restaurants. The first one was called L'Oranger. That was um, in London. Um, uh, it was close to... Uh, 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 um, the name of the station my god i forgot it was close to green park mm. it's quite central uh that was very classic french um it was really 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 tough really tough uh but uh it was just amazing the produce uh, we were working with is just uh, it's mind-blowing like mm. the the saps the mushrooms the you know the the, the quality of the meats uh Oh, it was just amazing, amazing, amazing stuff. But do you feel and, that uh, real pressure of working? Is there, is there a higher level of pressure and stress in a Michelin kitchen than in other kitchens because you're always having to maintain that standard? Or is it that all restaurants obviously are trying to maintain a standard, so I guess there's always a level of pressure? Is it different? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a huge level of pressure. There's a huge, like, demand on uh, on, on those who work in Michelin uh, kitchens. Huge. Mm. You know, basically, uh, I think, again, I, I haven't done Michelin in a long time, and it might have changed a bit, but there is this um, expectation that you, you are not allowed to fail. You're not allowed to make mistakes. You're not allowed to be weak. You're not allowed to be vulnerable. You have to be tough. You have to be strong. You have to be a machine. You have to be that all the time, you know, mm. even if you work 15 hours uh, on your 14th hour of work, you still expect it to perform the same way. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry, yeah. I, inter I interrupted you. You were going to say the second place that you worked, the second... Michelin. The second place was called Club Gascon. Mm. 
uh, is still there. Uh, L'Oranger, I don't know if like, they still, I don't think they are there anymore. They shot, but uh, Club Gascon has been there for um, ages. I think that was one of the, my most inter- interesting jobs in London because mm. uh, the chef, uh, uh, he's extremely creative. He's an artist. He really is an artist. Uh, and uh, he does um, a modern uh, southwest of France cuisine, mm. which is amazing. Again, produce, like just incredible produce. Uh, I worked like, I lost count how many foie gras I had to <laughs> devein and cook and make. I, I know as, as politically incorrect as it is, I love foie gras. Oh, I know, I'm with you. <laughs> I, I hate myself for loving it, but yeah. Mm. I'm sorry, I mm. do. I know, I know. It's so good, isn't it? Oh. Yeah. Good. <laughs> so that was like very specific, very southwest of France. So, um, well, uh, our chips, for, for example, we had like this really fancy chips was cooked in duck fat, right? <laughs> <laughs> duck fat in a fryer. <laughs> oh, God. I love it. Oh, it was amazing. And yeah, um, yeah really, because um, the, the, this, the, 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 this, this cooking, this type of uh, cuisine in France is quite heavy. You you get the cassoulets, you get the, you know, the ducks, everything's cooked in duck fat, um, foie gras, and, uh, you know, like hearty dishes. But he turned all that into Michelin, you know, into Michelin dishes. It was just uh, mind-blowing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. My brother and I went and stayed with um, an older couple, you know, the grandparents of a friend of mine in Mille in, in, um, in France, which is where it's sort of heartland cassoulet and um, sausage and all those things and they they just wanted to show off everything over that weekend and even my brother who was in his 20s at at the time he was just like if I ever see meat again I will die (laughs) if it was just meat for breakfast lunch and dinner and just and just hearty everything so yeah um so I guess he he would have had to the chef would have had to refine that a bit for the the restaurant um now, what was like? I had a question that was poised on my lips. That's right. So, given the nature of the, the, the pressure of the kitchen and the long hours and so on, what do you think it it, it is or it was that that you love about co- cooking and being in the kitchen environment? That well, obviously you love it. So that, but what what pulls you through? Because that's hard work. You'd have to absolutely love it, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, there is no there is no other way. And uh, um, I think. Uh, specifically with with a Michelin kitchen, because uh, you can find amazing produce in uh, simpler restaurants with simpler cooking, obviously. But is the creativity? Is the it is art on the plate? It, it really is a next level. It's not like there are not many chefs that. that out there in this world that are capable of creating dishes and having harmony uh, within like the ingredients and making reinterpretations of uh, classic hearty uh, kind of like peasant dishes. Uh, it's something you really need to be an artist. Mm. You need to know your, your ingredients and your cooking and your food and your region extremely well. Uh, so yeah, it's it's just like the learning. There's so much to learn, you know. It's, it's really amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so from London, um, what happened next? Where did you go after that? Uh, well, uh, I had my first child and uh, then I was uh, – well, 
my husband is Australian and, and uh, we thought like, oh, it's uh, we're kind of like you know, being here for a long time and, you know, what are we going to do next? Are we going to live here? Are we going to stay here? And then I thought like, you know, my family is in the restaurant business in Brazil and it was a dream, you know, uh, and um, they they said like, oh, we'll invest in you and, and Brett, my husband wanted to come back to Australia, said nah no chance like if we come to australia we'll never go to brazil we'll never have this chance mm -hmm. so we moved to sao paulo and uh, i started looking for a place and uh, yeah i didn't know exactly what i wanted uh, what type of restaurant having like a strong french background and um i uh, thought at first of having having a little bistro but then i thought like oh no like I was missing England and uh, I like thought like, oh, okay, like th there isn't like a, a, a proper pub with good food, with uh, good beers and like uh, some, you know, uh, some, you know, some of like a good gastro pubs. And then I opened Camden House um, where I had like classics of uh, British you know, cuisine like fish and chips made a little bit fancier, you know, plated on a on a board and everything. Mm -hmm. And had my own dishes, uh, obviously that which is what a gastropub is. You 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 get the classics and you have like the you know the creations of the, the chefs. And yeah, that was that was my five years there in Brazil with my gastropub. But uh, then, like things started to get like a bit difficult for for Brett uh, work wise, and then he got made redundant, and then like was finding it hard to find a new job, and I was a uh, really extremely tired because I didn't have any business partner or anything, and um, we thought like okay, made this decision, and uh, yeah, we I shut the restaurant. And here I am, yeah. starting all over again. <laughs> wow. Oh, I, you know, well, it's lucky for us in Melbourne that you're here because you, you've brought with you such a wealth of um, experience. But I know that it's been quite challenging for you since you arrived. Um, oh, yeah. And, then, and there's yet another culture shift. Although you're married to an Australian, I think um, – I mean, I, I actually found a cultural shift when I moved from New Zealand and I really did expect that living in Melbourne would feel the same as living in New Zealand and it doesn't at all. So there's lots of things to get used to here. But um, how long have yeah. you been here now? Uh, almost a year. Okay, Ten so months. you really yeah. just arrived and then yeah, mo half of that time has been in lockdown anyway. So you have had yeah. a lot of challenges. But yeah. um. So what's what would be your ideal, you know, have, have you, have you had, did you get a sense of, the Melbourne food scene before everything shut down and and yeah yeah I um I, I've been here many many times mm, before okay. uh, I moved and so I started knowing Melbourne and uh, uh, getting familiar with the, with the food scene here quite a while ago um and uh I find it like coming from Brazil because I think Brazil uh uh, if I had come from London straight to Melbourne, I'd say Melbourne would be a bit behind, maybe. Mm. Although it's different, you know. Uh, but now coming from Brazil, like I think a lot of things changed inside me because I saw uh, uh, that um, uh, that uh, um, how, do, how can I explain the chefs. Uh, uh, 
putting value in the in the produce of their own country in their regions, mm. which before it didn't happen, you know, with this with this whole like gastronomic scene uh, changing around the world. Uh, the, the call now is this, you know, mm. value the local produce and everything. So um, I arrived here and I was like, wow, this is like really modern, really forward thinking. The mix with with Asian ingredients in the Asian cuisine is just, and I love Asian cuisine. I love like pretty much all of them mm. and i was like wow so here is another thing that i haven't been exposed to and i'm gonna throw myself in this yeah <laughs> yeah and then yeah so um uh but you uh, interviewed uh, uh david uh verhul uh, yes. that is a place i really love to go yeah. i find that emblem is like well amazing um yeah. and yeah like a I've got a few chefs that I, I enjoy, like, and I and I, I really really think that the the, the the food scene in Australia is um, changing and it's, it's really world class. It's a mm. fantastic place to be, really. <laughs> well, I mean, I just really hope that we can come out of lockdown soon and restrictions can be lifted because I just I so feel for the hospitality sector. It's just it's devastating, mm. um, you know, in a city that really just prides itself on that and we had such a vibrant nightlife and so on I just find it so um overwhelming when I think about you know all the chefs that I've spoken to and their venues and so on but yeah. you know I'm, I'm so impressed people like Dave for example that have pivoted and, and are doing such great things in terms of delivery and takeaway of their incredible food that they might not never have considered doing that before and um mm -hmm. it's very impressive now, yeah. but tell me, um, Elisa, now, I'm so um, fascinated by your appreciation of wine as well. When did that cut? Because you really seem to, um, you're really into matching wine and appreciating beautiful wines. And, and in your Instagram posts, you can describe the, you know, the, the, I don't even know the right words for wine. I just drink wine. I don't think about its palate and its nose and its legs. But, um, but you do. So where did that, when did that start for you? Well, it's all related, really. I it's, I've, I started drinking wine quite uh, young. It's like when I when I started cooking, really, uh, I started drinking wine. Uh, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I was was before eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was drinking. You start with a with a with a. You think what you were drinking like when you were eighteen, like oh my god! <laughs> but then uh, with the with the industry it comes with it. I've, I've I've always been fascinated by it. I find it as fascinating as food because there's there are a million producers out there and they have different ways to produce wines. What happens in the harvest? Because it's 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 all about you know the the. The work in the field, it's uh, wine is a, it's a fancy produce, can be quite fancy and expensive, but in the end of the day, it's, it's all about farming as well as the produce we chefs work with. So uh, it's all about understanding what that winemaker is making, what he's been through that vintage, uh, if it rained, if it was too sunny, how he managed to make his wine. It's, it's just fascinating. So I read as much as I can and I taste um, as much as I can. Uh, I talk to, I always like, talk to, to the sommeliers in the restaurants and like I've worked uh, as well and asked them oh can I be part of a of, of this uh, tasting can I can I join uh, I want to learn and everything so yeah it's mm. always been yeah it's always been um, a huge interest um, of mine <laughs> do you think because and, I'm always amazed by how chefs have such a um, 
an amazing palate, number one, and that you remember you remember the flavors of ingredients and know what's going to go together. And I, I suppose that must that must help you with wine tasting and so on as well to be able to, to detect different levels of acidity and so on. Is that do you think that's right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, uh, it works. But when you when when we chefs create a dish, that's what we do. Like I, I sometimes make a dish. I made that duck before yesterday, uh, and I'm making it again because I I, I thought like oh, uh, for example, I put I thought I want to I, I want to add some Asian Asian twists here because I'm starting to play and understand the, the Asian ingredients now, like with this exposure here in in in, in Melbourne, in Australia, and I thought like I. I've got parsnip. I'm gonna. I love parsnip. But I'm gonna make a parsnip puree. I've got a duck leg. I know that duck goes with parsnip, but I want to chuck something different. So I had that bombok, and then I just toasted like quickly in a in a frying pan with a little bit of fermented chili oil. And I thought, mm, is that gonna work with the, with the red wine? But then I had like this red wine, this uh, Syrah, uh, this Aussie Syrah that is a uh, not oaky and heavy, but quite uh, bright and uh, and uh, it's, it's very herbal. Uh, uh, and it's not uh, oaked, so I thought like that might match, and then just put it together, tasted it, and I was like, oh, okay, matched. <laughs> yeah. But then when I'm when I'm making a dish, and I think when all chefs are making dishes, uh, they they always think of a balance, as is the same for wine. Uh, do I get it like a, a sweet ingredient? And then uh, I'm not going to add, I wouldn't put parsnip and celeriac together, for example, because they are two vegetables that are slightly sweet. But I'm going to put parsnip with something with a bombok, like toasted in a frying pan, it's going to be slightly bitter. So it's going to balance with the sweetness of the parsnip. And then I get duck. Duck will match with both really, really, really well. And then the heat of the, the chili like also like brings an extra layer of uh, of, of taste into the dish that is different from the sweetness of the parsnip and the bitterness of the other one. So you think, you know, what what each ingredient brings into the plate and you, you think you always try to have different layers and different things uh, mm. on the plate. Brett, yeah. Brett must just love it. It must just be, you know, like eating at a restaurant every night. lucky husband (laughs) yeah he's like uh, he's enjoying it I think he's going to miss it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right Um, look Elisa thank you so much for your time I just feel like I feel like I have watched a film of your life because it does feel (laughs) feels very cinematic you know there's all these different countries and experiences but um and I have, you know, as I said, I've been loving watching your Instagram and your little lessons that you've been given, giving to people about how to cook certain dishes. It's just such a, a treat to watch because your personality is so infectious as well. But um, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that we finally got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. All right. It well, was really, really nice. Thanks a lot. Okay. Happy cooking. Yeah, thank you. Bye. And you have a good weekend. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Conversation with a Chef. I'm Jo Ritty, and thank you so much for joining me today. If you'd like to read the full transcript of the conversation, you can go to www.conversationwithachef.com or follow me on Instagram so you'll always be up to date with the latest conversation.